Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. I am remembering a particularly long day of backpacking in the Sierras, coming down out of the high mountains and back into so-called civilization. We'd been descending for hours when late in the afternoon the trail emerged from the woods and unceremoniously dumped us onto a seemingly endless and not particularly scenic dirt road. We were elated at having matched the strenuousness of our time in the backcountry and were sad to leave it, but now our energy was flagging. And so, as I often do in such times, I began to serenade Kem. I call these rambling made-up songs my odes, but you should not be jealous. Of all the odes I've ever composed, this is the only one that has ever stuck. I will spare you the tune, but the words say, the last mile is the longest, the last mile is the longest, the last mile is the longest when you're on your way home. I had no idea that there's actually a name for this truth. It's called the third quarter phenomenon. First named in 1991 by researchers studying people living in cold regions, the third quarter phenomenon is characterized by mood shifts among people nearly finished with a long period of isolation. Those affected often feel anxious, withdrawn, and increasingly vulnerable. Researchers haven't been able to definitely prove the phenomenon exists, in part because its effects can vary from person to person, but anecdotal evidence and research suggest it often strikes people beginning 75% of the way through an isolating event. A few years ago, our young friend Gracie worked a split shift and went out for a late dinner with her best friend. Afterwards, she dropped off her friend and headed for home. She never made it. Just a short walk from her driveway, she was asleep at the wheel when her car left the road. There was nothing anyone could do to save her life. The police were not surprised. A third of all car crashes occur between one and five miles from home. Most car accidents happen within five minutes or less. People just let down their guard. This is another example pointing to the three-quarter phenomenon. And this one means life or death. I'm thinking about the pandemic, where we are in this long haul, thinking this is a good time to take stock, double down, 
and consider deeply how each of us can make it through to the end and finish strong. Have you ever read Life of Pi or uh, seen the movie? In a rare experience, I actually liked both. I'm not spoiling anything to tell you that at the heart of the story is a rather long time spent aboard a lifeboat. Amidst the supplies stocked on this lifeboat, life jackets, water, and food, there is a book of instructions for surviving. They say, set your house in order and begin the battle to survive. Establish a strict schedule for eating, keeping watch, and getting rest. Keep busy, but avoid unnecessary exertion. The mind can be occupied by playing card games, 20 questions, or I spy. Community singing is another surefire way to lift the spirits. Telling stories is highly recommended. Above all, don't lose hope. It occurs to me that there's a way in which we're all on a lifeboat now. The terrible storm of COVID-19 has taken over 2.7 million lives. 2.7 million lives and counting. But if the vaccination rollouts proceed apace and the jabs perform as expected, we are now three quarters of the way through that storm. One way or the other, each of us has ridden it out to make it to the end. It's critical that we not relax our vigilance. What has gotten you through? This is an important moment to avail ourselves of all the resources available to us. And above all, not to lose hope. I want to say thank you to Patrick Kulibak. This is a South Carolina poet, Dan Albergati. He shared with us, and this is Dan's deep bow to the biblical Jonah. It's called Things to Do in the Belly of the Whale. Measure the walls. Count the ribs. Notch the long days. Look up for blue sky through the spout. Make small fires with the broken hulls of fishing boats. Practice smoke signals. Call old friends and listen for echoes of distant voices. Organize your calendar. Dream of the beach. Look each way for the dim glow of light. Work on your reports. Review each of your life's 10 million choices. Endure moments of self-loathing. Find evidence of those before you. Destroy it. Try to be very quiet and listen for the sound of gears and moving water. Listen for the sound of your heart. Be thankful that you are here, swallowed with all hope, 
where you can rest and wait, be nostalgic. Think of all the things you did and could have done. Remember, treading water in the center of the still night sea, your toes pointing again and again, down, down, into the black depths. McMurdo Station is an Antarctic research base 2,415 miles south of Christchurch, New Zealand. Earth and sea disappear between April and August, four months of endless icy nights. Can you imagine the joy at seeing the sun appear from behind the mountains? Almost three-quarters of the way through, those who make their homes in, in Antarctica begin to get really sick of it. Pedro Salom, who's a manager there with more than a dozen Antarctic deployments behind him, talks about what happens to people toward the end of the dark time. One of the things I look for is dramatic changes in their habits. He says, if somebody's been going to the gym every day at 6.30 a.m. and usually gets to lunch at 11.45 and that person suddenly misses the gym or starts taking their food to go or doesn't show up for lunch at all, that's a serious flag in my mind. Son of a Sorbian, Hilda Fallenstrom, are climate change researchers who spent more than seven months living in an uninsulated 90-year-old cabin in the Arctic Circle without electricity or running water. As the end drew near, their excitement about seeing loved ones again was tempered with anxiety. How would the completion of their research affect their friendship? In the dark, says Sanova, we're totally dependent on each other. And then when the light starts to come back, it can breed insecurity. Submariner Matt Kilby served three deployments aboard the USSS Florida. He is six feet four inches tall. Can you imagine? At one point, he spent 107 days submerged. He says it's hard for it not to feel like Groundhog Day. He was grateful to communicate with his fiancée, family, and friends by email. But it's easy to be afraid you'll be forgotten. Toward the end, the crew gets testy. It's so well known that if someone blows up on you, he says, it's just like, hey, man, it's the last week. Everyone's like this right now. So everyone's bonding on the fact that everyone's grumpy. Nathan Smith, a University of Manchester researcher who has examined how people behave in extreme settings, says that the psychological and social experience of monotony, sensory deprivation, social isolation, and proximity with others is very similar to that likely being experienced by people isolating during COVID-19. For some people, this third quarter phase may be really challenging, he says. What has gotten you through? What will get you through to the end? This is my California colleague, Reverend Lynn Unger's pandemic. What if you thought of it 
as the Jews consider the Sabbath the most sacred of times. Cease from travel. Cease from buying and selling. Give up just for now on trying to make the world different from what it is. Sing, pray, touch only those to whom you commit your life. Center down. And when your body becomes still, reach out with your heart. Know that we are connected in ways that are terrifying and beautiful. You could hardly deny it now. Know that our lives are in one another's hands. Surely that has come clear. Do not reach out your hands. Reach out your heart. Reach out your words. Reach out all the tendrils of compassion and move invisibly where we cannot touch. Promise this world your love for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, as long as we all shall live. We have arrived at that moment when even the seasoned pros find their willpower giving out. So what to do? Let's return to the lifeboat instructions. Three things. One, get your routine down and stick to it. Or as the book of instructions says, set your house in order and begin the battle to survive. Establish a strict schedule for eating, keeping watch, and getting rest. A routine will offer a sense of control. You know, I love the expression, when we take care of the morning, the morning takes care of the day. Whether or not you've been doing it all along, for now, every day, I highly recommend making the bed and putting on real clothes, even if that's only your daytime pajamas as opposed to your nighttime pajamas. Plan your meals. Eat them. Then leave spaces between them. If you can wake up and go to sleep at the same time every day, your sleep will be better. And see if you can think of doing something for someone else. Reach out to say hello, show up in the Zoom room. The lifeboat instruction strict schedule for keeping watch could translate into don't spend the whole day on your screen. If you can get some exercise, even a short walk, it could change everything. And you know I'm going to suggest you find your breath and meditate or pray, even for just a few minutes every day. Two, look for joy. Be on the lookout for joy. You will find it in giving it. And remember the joy in play. Some of us have been making epic jigsaw puzzles over these long months at home and sharing them when we're done. Some of us are playing Scrabble online. Some of us are getting to Thursday night song shares and singing our hearts out. Tell a good story. I've noticed, as I'm sure you have, how a good story can take us back 
to where it all happened. This past summer, my friend Nancy and I had planned to celebrate 50 years since we met at Girl Scout camp, 50 years of friendship. When it became clear that we weren't going to be able to visit our old camp together, visit the waterfront where we learned to canoe and hiked, the outpost where we lived, we began exchanging stories and old photos. eBay proved to be a treasure trove. I found an antique patch from our camp and sent it to her. She found our old camp songbook and made some postcards up and sent them to me as well. Make someone's day. You could also plan a surprise. Let me know what you pull off. And three, keep your spirits up. Have you seen a robin yet? A snowdrop, crocus, or daffodil? Have you seen the moon growing full again this week? It's fat. It's Passover weekend. Try walking in the other direction, saying hello, listening to new music, a new podcast, new book, making something new to eat, making something for someone else. It all feels so much more manageable when we remember we're all in this together. When I come down hard on quality versus quantity of life, some of the longevity schedules studies point to interesting intersections between the two. In one study of 100-year-olds done here in the States, investigators were looking at their personality traits. Not surprisingly, these long-lived elders tend to be less neurotic and scored higher on competence and extroversion. Interestingly, though, those close to them ranked them a bit high on hostility. The study concluded that moral righteousness leads to robust temperaments that may help centenarians adapt well to later life. This is just to say that while you're busy getting down your routine, looking for joy, keeping your spirits up, it wouldn't hurt to yell at the news or at least once in a while to transmit all that righteous anger into changing the world. Beloved spiritual companions, we can do this. Get your routine down. Look for joy. Keep your spirits up. We can finish this hard thing together while apart. To close, here is one of my favorite poems, Thomas Santalella's In the Evening we shall be examined on love. In the evening, we shall be examined on love, and it won't be multiple choice, though some of us would prefer it that way. Neither will it be essay, which tempts us to run on when we should be sticking to the point, if not together. In the evening, there shall be implications our fear will change to complications. No cheating will be told. And we'll try to figure the cost of being true to ourselves. In the evening, when the sky has turned that certain blue, blue of exam books, blue of no more daily evasions, we shall climb the hill as the light empties 
and park our tired bodies on a bench above the city and try to fill in the blanks. And we won't be tested like defendants on trial, cross-examined till one of us breaks down, guilty as charged, no. In the evening, after the day has refused to testify, we shall be examined on love, like students who don't recall signing up for the course and now must take their orals, forced to speak for once from the heart and not off the top of their heads. And when the evening is over and it's late and the student body asleep, even the great teachers retired for the night, we shall stay up and run back over the questions, each in its own way. What's true? What's false? What unknown quantity will balance the equation? What it would mean years from now to look back and know we did not fail. Amen. And now for our benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart in namaste. I bow to the divine in you. Our benediction is adapted from Denise Levertov's poem, Beginners. We have only begun to imagine the fullness of life. How could we tire of hope so much is in bud? How can desire fail? We have only begun to imagine justice and mercy. We have only begun to know the power that is in us if we would join our solitudes in the communion of struggle. So much is unfolding that must complete its gesture. So much is in bud. Let us keep this faith, beloveds, and pass it on. The service begins when the service ends. Bless your hearts. I love you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.